Welcome to Vince's Last Drink. My name's Vince Hero, and my last drink was 10 nights ago. All right. Looks like we got our first empty-handed confessions episode on our hands here. And uh, I'm standing up. I'm standing up because this is going to get uncomfortable for me. What I said a couple of episodes back was, if I'm going to show up here with nothing to talk about, I'm going to pay for it. And I'm going to pay for it by sharing something that I'm not all the way comfortable sharing. So on this episode, we're going to go back to the year 2011, and we're going to go back to the date 25th of August. And I remember that date specifically because that's my birthday. And this story starts off embarrassing from the jump, because in order to set this up, I have to tell you that I used to do stand-up comedy. All right? I'm not proud of it. I saw my way out of it, thankfully, and I'm in a better place. But at the time, I used to enjoy doing stand-up comedy. So it's the night of my birthday. I'm doing a gig at the prestigious Rooty Hill RSL. You should know, though, if you're not from Australia, if you're not from New South Wales, these fucking RSLs can get pretty big. From the outside, it looked like a fucking basketball stadium. I don't know how many people fit in there, but the audience was big. Felt like you were doing a little gala thing, you know? It was all right. So anyway, I do the gig. I think it went fine. Can't really remember. Got hammered afterwards. Shots. Good times. It's my birthday. What I used to do back then was I would drive to a gig. I would do the gig. I'd get fucking hammered. And then I'd sleep in my passenger seat of my car. And that was the plan on this particular night. Especially because the gig was probably about an hour and 40 minutes from where I was living at the time. So I stumbles out to my car. open the passenger side door. Sit in the passenger seat. Recline the seat. Fucking blinded by one of the many floodlights surrounding this fucking RSL. I told you, from the outside, looked like an entertainment center. Big fucking building. And the whole entire car park is illuminated by these giant fucking floodlights. So I'm like, this is no good. I can't sleep here. I'll have to go further down the road. I'll find a dark spot. That was a mistake. So I leave the car park. I drive down the road, I start thinking, you know what, it's my birthday, I'm fucking hammered, I drank on an empty stomach, I should get something to eat. That's a wise move, I'll just make my way a little bit further down this road here, I'll find a fast food place, get myself something to eat, drive to a dark location, go to sleep, get up, drive in the morning, everything will be great. So I make my way down the road, I'm not seeing a fast food place, I'm not seeing one, I'm driving... I can't really see, I can't focus on my phone to look one up. So I just keep going. And I keep going, and I've been driving for 10 minutes, 15 minutes. All over the road, no doubt. But drunken logic at the time tells me that if I've been driving for 15 minutes, it's only an hour and a half further till I get home. No problem. So I drive for maybe another 5 or 10 minutes, but I'm out in the countryside now. So I start feeling like, you know what, I think I can, I think I can make it home. I'm safe out here, there's nobody out here, it's just me. I'll just keep fucking driving, it's only an hour and 40 minutes away. No problem. So I keep driving, and for those of you 
have had the misfortune of being pulled over by the police before, you'll know the feeling. You'll know the feeling when you see the red and blue lights behind you. The just the rush of it's almost like blood's just leaving your body. It's like getting a fucking ice cold bucket of water tipped over you, and simultaneously this sickness just sets into the pit of your stomach. Same when you're drunk. Same thing happens when you're drunk. It's probably a little worse. Because you know the fucking consequences are going to be worse. So I see the lights and I, I'm i not happy with myself. Memory gets a little fuzzy around this point. Probably something to do with the alcohol, but also the adrenaline. And the cop comes to the window. And I believe the first thing I said was, it's my birthday. I'm not sure what I was hoping to achieve. I think I was looking to buy some good favor. But fair to say, it didn't have much of an impact on the policeman. I don't really remember what happened next. I just remember being put in handcuffs. And I remember sitting in the back of the police car. And I remember the police laughing. I think I think I was singing happy birthday to myself. Might have been switching up the lyrics a bit to include some detail around handcuffs. But I just remember riding in the back of the police car. This is the second time in life this has happened to me, by the way. And I'm thinking, I I just, I don't learn lessons, do I? So we're riding along. I'm noticing the technology in the police car. For those of you who have a criminal history, I know many of you do. You might know that in a police car, they have, uh, what the fuck? License plate recognition technology, you might call it. Basically, they've got cameras on the outside of the car that are constantly filming and constantly uh, zooming in and capturing license plates of every car within proximity. And they are running a license plate check for any dodgy shit. All the time, this is happening within visible radius of every fucking cop car that you see. And I'm just watching this fucking screen. As all these cars are just having their license plates zoomed in on, and then a full history of that vehicle is being run. I'm going, that's fucking pretty impressive. Anyway, they take me to the police station. They take the cuffs off, and they process me. Whatever. I'm given a fucking piece of paper with a date to appear in court. And I remember the police being pretty kind of cool and easy going. But what I didn't understand was after everything, after I was processed, all that shit, they just put me outside. Like, we're in country New South Wales at this point. We're in the middle of fucking nowhere. And they just put me outside like I'm supposed to have some sort of solution as to what to do next. So all I could think to do was knock on the door, ask them to call me a taxi. This is before Uber, obviously. So I get in the taxi, and I get the taxi back to my car. I think, look, I'll just fucking sleep here. At least it's dark. And I'll sort out a solution in the morning. So I get a little bit of sleep. But uh, not a lot. It's daylight. I wake up. Sickening feeling in the stomach once again. But I'm still about an hour and a half from home. And I don't know what the fuck to do. I didn't know who to call. My partner was at work. I was fucked. 
I don't know what the fuck to do. So clearly still under the influence of alcohol. Drunken Logic goes, listen, if you can just get the fucking car home. If you can just get home. You can approach your partner face to face. You can sit down and have a conversation and figure out what you're going to do. But you've got to get home. So I get back in the driver's seat. I turn the key and I start heading for home. Must have been less than five minutes later. Some of this technology that I just learned about played a role. So I guess where I was pulled over is not too far from where the highway police positioned themselves. And I guess one of these highway police cars caught the number plate of the car I was driving. And then I see those all too familiar red and blue lights once again. I think I blew .18 the night before. They breath test me again. I'm already, my license has been confiscated, so I'm already breaking the law. But they breath test me again, and I blew .08, so still .03 over the legal limit. This time the police weren't so friendly. This time they weren't so amused. So they processed me there on the spot. I didn't have to go back to the police station. They handed me the paperwork. I already had the court date booked, so that was handy. But fair to say there was a a few charges added. And there I was, sitting on the side of the road once again. I think I called a taxi. I got a taxi home. It pretty much cost me every penny that I had in my bank account at the time. And that was it. I got the taxi to drop me off at my girlfriend's work. And I waited out the front until she had a break. I told her the news. I believe I cried. It was a pretty dope performance, but I meant it. You know, I meant it. Because at that time, I needed my license for work, so I knew I was going to have to quit my job. It was all fucked up. I ended up having to move to Sydney so that I could get a job. Court appearance came up. Humiliating. Oh, my God. I think I got about five grand in fines. I lost my license for three years. But this is the most embarrassing part. Um, The judge at some point asked me if I had anything to say for myself or whatever. And uh, I tried. (laughs) My father had passed away a couple of years before. And I think I was really struggling. You know, they, they talk about PTSD and all that shit. I don't know if that happened to me or not. But I tried to tell the judge that my old man had passed away. And I was going through a rough time. But... Fucking everyone was looking at me. It was really quiet in that courtroom. So I was whimpering. I was whimpering like a little bitch. And I kind of respect the approach the judge took. He went fucking high school football coach on me. He fucking dressed me down. He gave me a talking to. And he's like, so your dad passed away, did he? You think this is what your dad would have wanted for you? I can tell you right now, wherever your dad is, he's looking down and he's ashamed. He does not like what he sees. He does not like the person you're becoming. And he's worried that if you continue on like this, you could wind up in prison. And he just fucking said all that directly into my eyes. And I was struck by the performance. Seriously, though, it was some out-of-body shit. 
I was hearing some home truths and I was being spoken to in a way that I haven't been spoken to since fucking high school. So that was it. I took my lumps. I did my three years. I paid my fines. I ended up going into financial hardship for a while, which was not pleasant. But um, you'll be happy to hear that I managed to still be a full-time alcoholic for another 10 years after that. So I stayed true to the man I was in spite of, you know, what that fucking dumb judge tried to tell me. So the moral of the story for this one, folks, is don't drink and drive. And uh, don't drink and drive twice within a few hours. If you enjoy the podcast and you'd like to share it with an enemy, please do. Also, if you'd like to send me an email, my email address is Vince's Last Drink at gmail.com. Hope to hear from you. I'll talk to you tomorrow.